Morning to you. We got a terrific Wednesday morning show for you, including BC's new mandatory face mask order. And this was ordered by Dr. Bonnie Henry. I think it's the right thing to do. I think most people support this public order. But remember how she resisted doing this for many weeks. And one of the reasons that she was reluctant, she was concerned about enforcement of this mandatory face mask order, and she was worried about conflict arising as a result. Now, most people are masking up. Most people are doing it peacefully. In my experience, I haven't seen a lot of problems, but we are seeing some trouble. Right now on Twitter, there is a photo going viral of a woman getting dragged out of the Kelowna Value Village by the cops for refusing to put the face mask on. And also in the peaceful, picturesque town of Nelson, British Columbia, a beautiful part of our province, uh, they're having problems there. At the Kootenai Co-op, which is a very popular grocery store in downtown Nelson's been there forever. Uh, they've had a lot of customers there refusing to put the face mask on. It has created some conflict and confrontation in the store. Have a listen to this. This is a little sound of what's going on inside the Kootenai Co-op. You don't seem to understand. What is it? You have to keep your mask on. Yours is blowing your nose right now. It's just, it just slipped a little bit. Well, you so put, did mine. No, we've got you on camera Yours pulling no. it down several times. You're done. Get out. I'm asking you to leave. All right. Oh, man. Oh, man. Just put the face mask on. Some people don't want to do it. Yesterday, the province announced they're going to back this up with threats of fines. 230 smackers. That will be the fine for refusing to put on your mask. Have a listen to this. This is Mike Farnworth, the Solicitor General. We hope that uh, people, uh, that small minority of people, finally get this message that they do not have the right to endanger other people's health. Uh, it's time for this small minority to, uh, to shut up, grow up, and mask up. And the order that's uh, in place now means that uh, individuals, uh, people, must wear a mask in indoor public spaces. Okay, Farnworth putting the hammer down there. Shut up, grow up, and mask up. Some people not doing it. There's been problems at the Kootenai Co-op. There's a grocery store in, or a coffee shop in, in Nelson that has also had a problem there as well. Let's go to Nelson, B.C. right now and check in with Amanda Verrigan. Now she is the marketing and sales manager at the Kootenai Co-op grocery store. Amanda, thanks a lot for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for doing this. Can you tell me what some some of the incidents that have happened there in the store? And I understand you've had to bring in a security guard. We have. Um, and, you know, t just to start off off the top, there have been a lot of people who have been complying. And that's been, that's been great. It, the unfortunate side of it is that we're seeing a small minority that are very vocal and very forceful and aggressive in their belief about not wearing masks, which is what's been causing a lot of the problems. Right. We've had um, people just yelling, um, refusing to leave the store. Uh, yesterday, we had an incident with someone who reached out and tried to flick the mask off the security guard. And oh. just it's just getting, uh, it's just intense, you know, it's just a lot of yelling, aggression. Um, nothing has turned violent, thankfully. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's putting a strain on staff. Absolutely. What percentage of your customers do you think are declining to put the mask on or don't want to mask up um you know i would say before the mandate we probably had 70 percent of our customers wearing a mask voluntarily we were encouraging masks right uh, and then after the mandate or the public health order 
we had people who were reluctant to wear masks or didn't want to wear masks mask up and they were okay with it. So I'd say we're probably at about 15 to 15% of people are, are, I, I don't know. We don't have an exact percentage, but we're getting a a good amount of people coming in just sort of providing resistance. And some people provide resistance, but still put on a mask. And then we're talking about a much smaller minority of people who are actually creating this level of distraction. Yeah, but even a small number of people is going to cause hassles for your staff, right? I mean, this must be difficult for your employees having to deal with this. And that's the challenging part is that yeah. even though it's not a lot of people, thankfully, the level of aggression and and frustration that everyone's feeling and just spewing at staff is what's causing the problems. It, it doesn't take yeah. very many people um, particularly in the service industry, to sort of rattle people that way. And it just doesn't create a good work environment, and it no. just makes everybody a little bit more stressed out than they need to be, especially in these times. Okay. Is the security guard making any any difference? Has it been better once you got security in there? Um, there was still, like we said, like I said, there's a few incidences that still happened yesterday where people were still, you know, being quite aggressive. Yeah. Um, even with the security guard there, uh, I think that it sort of helps staff more than anything to feel that there's another presence there with them so they don't have to feel that they're taking this on their own. We've had our management staff down there regularly along with the security guard. I think it's just sort of trying to present a united front and to also shield some of our frontline staff workers who are, you know, some people are young. They're, you know, we've got some teenagers who are working at the front and, and people are taking right. this out on them. And, and so it's just providing a level of safety and security for our staff as well. Yeah, I mean, that's not fair to put people, young people like that who are just doing their jobs on the spot. My guest is Amanda Verrigan. She is the sales manager at the Kootenai Co-op grocery store in Nelson. I've been to Nelson many times. It's a beautiful city. And in my experience, very peaceful, kind of laid back sort of city. So, I mean, why do you think this is happening? Uh, I think it's stressful for everyone. I think that people are carrying the weight of, of this pandemic and all of the challenges with it more than most. And you know, Nelson is a laid-back, easygoing town, um, yeah. but it's also a bit of a counterculture town. So I think there's a higher, you know, there's just people who are frustrated, and they're they have their own personal beliefs, they have their own personal opinions. That does not excuse the behavior, and I think that's the point that we're trying to make. Is you know, we're not trying to change minds, we're not trying to force people one way or the other. We're just trying to comply with a public health order to try and keep our staff and, and everyone in our community safe. And it yeah. doesn't excuse the behavior that we've been seeing, regardless of what people's personal beliefs are. I think you just put your finger on something there when you said that counterculture, because I think that's that maybe is at the root of it. Because in my experience in Nelson, yeah, there, I mean, there may be people who are into, I don't know if it's holistic medicine or something like that, or they think maybe there's a bit of an anti-vaxxer element or distrust of government, that kind of thing? Do you think that that's kind of an undercurrent, maybe? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that that's a, that's a conversation for a different show. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say that, you know, that counterculture is a vibe that's present in quite a lot of areas throughout the province and the country. I don't yeah. think that Nelson's, you know, got a higher predisposition of people that way. I think that it's just a town that's always been free to express itself and, and to have, you know, conversations about all sorts of different topics. And I think that, and there are people who can have those conversations. I've had them with people that have been polite and, and, and compassionate and just trying to express their opinion. And I think that is totally fine. The, the problem is, is those that are coming in and being extremely aggressive 
and abusive towards staff. And I think that's what's really creating the challenge, and that is not productive regardless of what your beliefs are. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think you said it really well. Uh, a tough situation for the Kootenai Co-op store. I know you guys have been there a long time, and you're a fixture in, in downtown Nelson. I hope things go better, and thank you very much for coming on to talk about it this morning. No problem. Thanks for having okay. me on. All right, welcome back to the show. You heard my conversation there with Amanda Verrigan. She is the sales manager at the Kootenai Co-op grocery store in downtown Nelson. They're having problems there with people who don't want to mask up. They do not want to follow the rules. When they come into the store, there is a significant but small percentage of people who are saying, no, I don't want to put the mask on. They have had to hire a security guard uh, for the first time in the grocery store. And it's not to watch out for shoplifters. It's to enforce the mask order uh, in the store, which is now a provincial health order. Uh, let's talk about this now further with my guest, Michelle Mongal. She is the former MLA for Nelson Creston. And I'm very pleased to welcome her to the show. Hi, Michelle. Good morning, Mike. Good to hear from you. It's nice to talk to you again. Thank you for, very much for coming on. I know you, you live in Nelson. You shop at that store, right? I do, yeah. At least once a week. You can find me in the Kootenai Co-op. Okay, what do you think about this? People coming into the store and refusing to put the mask on. Oh, my goodness. I... Uh, you know, my first reaction is I, I get I get really angry. I, it's really disturbing to hear this as a, a fellow shopper, as a longtime member of the Kootenai Co-op, as somebody who lives in this community and knows that the vast majority of people in this community have been taking this pandemic seriously. They have been doing everything they possibly can to reduce the spread of COVID-19. You go down Baker Street and you just see the the excellent work being done by businesses the staff people, many of them are young uh, teenagers who uh, go to high school here, just doing a, a fantastic job at keeping all of us safe, keeping themselves safe. And then to hear some people who are so disrespectful and, and frankly so selfish that they aren't thinking about everybody, the community as a whole, it's shocking because that's not how we are here in this community. And so it's really disturbing, and uh, I'm really glad that the Kootenai Co-op has taken action to protect everybody's health by getting a security guard. And I'm really glad that the staff there have the support that they need to enforce the rules. I've been checking in with staff uh, whenever I do my weekly grocery shop. So, you know, how's it going? How are things? And it's been really hard on them, this pandemic. It's been really, really hard. They're essential workers. They're making sure that we can all still eat as we're having to socially distance, having to isolate. They get up every morning. They're going to work to make sure that we all have the necessities that we need. I think we owe them some gratitude and some kindness. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you for the people who are working on the front lines and these essential services, and especially in like grocery stores. My own son works in a, in a grocery store, and yeah, fortunately, he's had not had to deal with any of these type of problems so far in the store where he works. But I, I just think it's totally unfair to put people on the spot like this who are quite often very young people, not making much money. They're just working hard to pay for school or whatever. And then to have to deal with this kind of crap is just—it's just not fair to people. I mean, if people—if people disagree with the with the mask order, I mean, I guess there's different ways you can make your your views known. But you know, trying to take it out in some young person just trying to do their job is not fair. Well, let's let's talk about that a little yeah. bit because okay. this pandemic—I mean, it's scary for we're all we're all feeling the anxiety and the stress around the pandemic, and I think we're also feeling powerless because. 
we don't have control over what's going to happen with it, where it's going to spread, when we're going to get a vaccine. There's all these things that are in motion around the world, but as individuals, we don't have control or power over that. And so that leaves a lot of people feeling powerless. So perhaps when they go to the grocery store, they, they want to reclaim some of that power by saying, no, I'm not going to put on a mask, even though that is mm. what is an important tool in our toolbox to reduce the spread. Taking that out on a younger person, there's a power dynamic right there, especially if they're uh, in high school or so on. And that's just not the way to alleviate your stress and anxiety at all. We have to pull it together. We have to be in this together. And I think that most people completely understand that. They go into the grocery stores, they go into the coffee shops, they, they go around town and all over BC, all over the world, and they approach their interactions with gratitude for the people who are working there. Some people aren't, and I'm asking them to do that, to pull it together so that we can get, all, get through this together. Uh, I totally agree with you. My guest is Michelle Mongal. She is the former MLA for Nelson Creston, and we're talking about some of the anti-mask activity we're seeing there in in the town. Do you think when I was speaking to the uh, the sales manager of the store, Amanda, there in the in the earlier segment, she mentioned that Nelson is is a, a counterculture town, as she put it. And do you think that has something that anything to do with it, like the the culture of the town? I mean, I know there's kind of like holistic medicine and that kind of thing. Like maybe there are people who don't trust big government. Do, do you think that has anything to do with it? Like people are saying, I'm not going to be told by big government what to do. So Nelson is definitely known for its uh, laid back culture, for yeah. uh, its counter culture. It's a place where if you want to. Uh, if you want to just be you and uh, wear whatever you want down Main Street or Baker Street, you, you can, and right. uh, nobody will bat an eye, right? Like that, right. we're we're very very free that way. And so when you think about it, like, and that's you know a, a obvious thought for a lot of people. Well, oh, it's it's the counterculture types and and so yeah. on and so forth. But that's that's not. That's not necessarily true because there's lots of people who would consider themselves very counterculture and they've got a mask on. They're very diligent about it. So I'm not too sure what it is that is attracting people to this particular point of view, but it's not a point of view that we can tolerate in our community. They're allowed to express themselves however they want on social media and so on, but they can't come out into the community and put everybody else at risk. That's not fair. That's not right. And it's just not acceptable. Okay, we just got a minute left here. What would be your message to people out there? We see the the provincial government yesterday saying that, look, if you refuse to go along with the rules, there is going to be a penalty. There will be a $230 fine. Maybe some people think it should be bigger than that. But the government's certainly talking tough that we want you to follow the rules and we're going to enforce the rules. Do you think that's the right thing to do? Well, I heard your clip from uh, Mike Farnworth, and yeah. uh, I completely agree with his point of view. Um, I would, I would offer, I would go a little bit further though, because I also recognize that some people, this has been really stressful and very difficult, and uh, they need some support uh, for mental health just to get through this. And and I encourage people to access those supports. And if it's difficult to access the supports. I'm going to offer a little tool that uh, I've learned about over the years. Okay, we just got 20, and 30 seconds I left. Got 20, really quick. Yeah. Take a breath, sit down, 
and write a list of things you're grateful for. It doesn't have to be the biggest things in the world. It can be the fact that your lights works this morning. But change your mindset. Be grateful because there's a lot of good things in this world still. And there's a lot of good people. And they're working for us at the grocery store. So let's get out right. there and say thanks. I like it. Thanks a lot for coming on today. Thank you, Mike. Take care. All right. Welcome back to the show. Let's talk about uh, Canadian musician Grimes uh, just received slightly over $90,000 in a Canadian arts subsidy program, partially funded by the federal government. Grimes is the partner of Elon Musk, one of the richest guys in the world. Should she qualify for a Canadian arts subsidy when she's uh, married to him? She's not married to him. She's a partner of Elon Musk. Wow. Let's talk about this now with Chris Sims, BC Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. How are you doing, Chris? Excellent. Uh, we got a big kick out of this one. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Now, I got to admit, I don't, even, I don't know much about Grimes and, and, and her music. Are you, do you know her music? No? No, I'm not okay. of that generation. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, she's a, a successful young Canadian recording artist, and she is the partner of, of Elon Musk. How did she get this, uh, this grant? So, great question. So, this grant uh, is mostly funded uh, by taxpayers, uh, both at the federal and provincial level. And what happens quite often with these grant programs is they're automatically uh, given out uh, based on whether or not the company that represents the artist has applied for them. So, it was interesting to see that it wasn't uh, Grimes uh, herself who applied for this $90,000 grant, but it was the company that represents her. And they got it, and so she got it. And so here we have these people who are mega rich, like you said. I mean, Elon Musk is one of the richest people on planet Earth, so much so that yeah. he you know, self-funds rockets into space. Yes. Um, so <laughs> here she is. She gets $90,000. And this isn't it. Like, there are tons of artists that unfortunately get grants uh, that they flat out do not need. Right, yeah. Now, in fairness to her, as you pointed out, she did not personally apply for for these funds the application was made by her recording company exactly. which is crystal math music is the name of the company so and and you can't and by the way i don't think you, you can't blame the company for for applying for the money either really no i, I mean if the might look if the government's giving out free money then you know i i think anyone's in their right their uh, right to put their hand out like this company did Yes, it's right. not the company's fault. It's not the artist's yeah. fault. It's not it's really her fault. fault. It's not her fault either, yeah. <laughs> it's the government's yeah. fault. They right. should know better than to do things like this. And we just saw recently, uh, for example, through some of the access to information uh, documents that we had filed earlier in the year, for example, Brian Adams. Everybody knows who Brian Adams is. Sure. A lot of people don't know that he's also a photographer. Um, he takes really nice pictures, and he took a whole bunch of really nice pictures of famous Canadians, including Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, the Queen, Celine Dion. But here's the catch. Uh, taxpayers forked over more than $60,000 to be part of their little uh, red carpet event gala at the museum in Toronto for, to put on the arts display. Like, he's got so much dough, he probably can't even count it all. So why are taxpayers paying uh, these sort of subsidies to these rich and famous people? Right. Now, in the case of Grimes, yeah. uh, she's the partner of Elon Musk, who you mentioned is, is an extremely wealthy guy. Uh, he's got his SpaceX program going full bore, just delivered a bunch of astronauts up to the International Space Station the other day. Uh, he, of course, he's got his Tesla motor car company, which uh, the, the stock there is trading at about 500 bucks a share. And 
apparently now he has surpassed Bill Gates on the world richest levels. He's the second richest guy in the world. Second, Isn't that wild? Second only to Jeff Bezos from yes. Amazon. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so, you know, why the heck would you would give $90,000 to his partners? Like, like you're saying that what a program like this should be means-tested just to see if the recipients actually need the money? Yes, at the very yeah. least. Uh, whether or not it should exist at all is up for debate. But at the very least, they should make sure that the artist who is getting this grant and the company that represents him or her or them um, needs it. I think that's pretty basic. Um, keep in mind, yeah. though, that this government and previous governments, too, they just they'll waste money unconsciously. Just Even, for example, uh, the CRTC, their head offices in Quebec just blew $9,000 renting art to hang on offices that are evacuated. There's nobody in them, but taxpayers still forked over nine grand to hang portraits on the walls of empty offices. Like, this is the kind of unconscious waste of taxpayers' money that drives people crazy. Okay, I think one of the things that would drive people crazy, too, is hearing that uh, an artist who is is a partner of the second richest person in the world would receive a, a grant like this when there's lots of starving artists around, right? I mean, yeah. there's there's lots of artists out there starving, need money. Yeah. So, you know, are you saying now, I mean, attacking kind of art art programs or art grants, I guess, is kind of low-hanging fruit, really, in, in a lot of ways. But do you think that, in basically in principle, that it's it's okay to give taxpayers money to help help the arts sector, help cultural See, the culture that's a good question. And I think, well, right now everything is weird because of COVID. Um, but we need to keep in mind that the Canada Council for the Arts is taxpayer-funded completely. We have the National Film Board, which is taxpayer-funded completely. A lot of money goes to these organizations, and there's very little oversight. And so while the argument could be made in principle that it should go to the quote-unquote starving artist that's just trying to get out in the world, there's also the argument to be made whether or not your art is any good and if people are willing to pay for it. And so I think it's a good argument to, add, to have. Not, go up and down the street, knock on your neighbor's doors, and ask them if they would support your art project. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, then maybe we shouldn't be funding these gold-plated arts programs. And the example of this money going to Grimes is a perfect example of a lack of oversight. At the very least, they need to reform this program so that it does not go to a person who is living with one of the richest human beings on planet Earth. Okay, let's talk about another couple of issues, Chris, and yeah. that's uh, tomorrow the B.C. government, or Premier John Horgan, will be announcing his cabinet lineup. He's got a, a very, he's got a lot of MLAs there he's got to keep happy. The NDP won big in this recent election. I got a feeling that this cabinet, when it's unveiled tomorrow, will be a bigger cabinet, a larger cabinet than the one we see today you're calling for sm time to tighten your belt smaller cabinet i don't think it's going to happen though right it should uh right now last time we counted they have 22 cabinet ministers and we think that they should reduce that they should reduce it by at least 15 percent to get that number down to 18 or 19 and the reason for that is because politicians often like to say we're all in this together but we're not all in this together. This COVID-19 economic wrecking ball has disproportionately wrecked uh, people's careers and livelihoods in the private sector. Those within the government sector have barely felt it, financially speaking. And so we think in order to be in solidarity with average working people, that John Horgan should reduce his cabinet size by at least 15 percent 
and he should reduce their salaries by 15% also. Okay, I don't think either one is going to happen. I think likely tomorrow we will see a larger cabinet than we have today simply because he's got to, he's got to try and keep as many people happy as he can. You may see people who are uh, appointed as ministers of state or they may be, there may be new committee positions that are created. He's got to give people stuff to do and a lot of it will include pay bumps as well. So like when you go into cabinet, you get a pay raise. Yes, well, right. right now, the current salary for a cabinet minister is $166,000 plus living expenses, okay? Right. Right. And if they reduce it by 15%, that'll knock them down to 141 plus living expenses. Uh, frankly, he should do this. He needs to do the right thing. And if he did it, it would make national news because people would see him as taking a role of leadership here, and it isn't unprecedented. The Prime Minister of New Zealand reduced her own pay yes. and that of her senior staff by 20%. Yeah. Leader of India knocked it down by 30. Leader of Japan knocked his down by 20%. And so it's high time for politicians to walk the walk here in Canada, too. Yeah, the uh, the Prime Minister of New Zealand is maybe the most prominent example there. I got a, a global attention to that, mm-hmm. that pay cut. Has there been any government in Canada, any provincial government, that has done a, a pay cut for politicians? Not that I have seen. Uh, what's interesting, though, is the, as far as I can tell, the city of Vancouver uh, politicians did take a 10% pay cut at the outset of this yes. outbreak back in spring. And right. that, made, that made news. And a lot of people have had their salaries reduced way more than 15%. And some people have lost their jobs entirely. Just imagine being in the restaurant business right now. So, frankly, the politicians that we elect to represent us as commoners need to feel this pinch, too. They should okay. do it. Speaking of Vancouver, the last time you were on, we talked about the mobility pricing issue in the city of Vancouver. Are Vancouver residents uh, in for a property tax increase? It sure looks like it. Looks like they're aiming for 5% or it could be a little bit more. And now is the time, folks. If you're listening in Vancouver, you've got to start paying attention to local city politics because they're coming for your wallets. It could get a lot more expensive to live in Vancouver where it's already... 5% is not as bad as some of the other numbers that have been floated around, though. But you know, you know as well as I do, that's the oldest trick in the book. You float yeah. a big, scary number like 12% or 10%, and then yeah. you settle for five, and everybody's supposed to say, thank you, sir, may I please have another? Uh, yeah. We need to see spending <laughs> reined in at Vancouver City Hall. They yeah. need to be much more thrifty before we can applaud that. All right, welcome back to the show. Next Tuesday, December 1st, that's this Tuesday, it's CKNW Kids Fund Pledge Day. We may not be gathering in person this year, but we'll still be raising money all day on CKNW, bringing you inspiring stories from the BC Kids supported by your donations. Make a difference by making a pledge. Details at cknwkidsfund.com. CKNW Kids Fund Pledge Day. It is this Tuesday, December 1st. Really looking forward to that. Okay, here we go now with scams and ripoffs on the rise in British Columbia, especially during COVID-19. The pandemic is a difficult time for everybody. But I'll tell you what, the scammers and the con artists out there, they just see the pandemic as an opportunity to target you and trick you out of your money. It is also Christmas shopping season. Christmas Day is exactly one month from today. This is another opportunity for the scammers out there, especially if there's a super hot gift out there that everybody wants under the Christmas tree. Like, for example, the new PlayStation video game console, 
the PlayStation 5, the PS5. It's a super hot item this Christmas. A lot of stores are sold out. Some people trying to sell them online now for a marked up price. Oh, this is just a golden opportunity for some of the scammers out there. Okay, now have a listen to this here now, to this global news story. This is what happened when a guy goes to the Brentwood Mall in Burnaby. He wants to sell a PS5 to some people he met online. This sale did not go well. Have a listen to this story from Global News. Well, the new PlayStation 5s are a hot commodity, and one man was not letting his get stolen without a fight. Dashcam video shows a man meeting up with a group to sell a PS5 a few weeks ago at Brentwood Mall. The three men bear spray the man, then try to take off. But the guy fights back, grabbing a hold of the person who took the gaming console. The other two return a few moments later, spraying the seller a few more times before taking off without that PS5. If you're buying and selling anything online with anyone you don't know, uh, be as safe as you can. Uh, yeah, obviously this uh, seems to be something that's happening right now uh, with these consoles. The new PlayStation and Xbox consoles retail for about 600 bucks each. They are sold out at a lot of stores, leading to a big demand on the online market. Okay, that was Global News anchor Paul Hasem there. You also heard the voice of Corporal Michael Kalange from the Burnaby RCMP. You've got to be so careful out there, especially at this time of year. Can you imagine this guy? He goes to the mall in Burnaby, figures he's just going to sell this PlayStation 5. He ends up getting bear sprayed instead. Yeah, it's it's wild and crazy out there. Let's talk to Carla Laird about it now. She is the manager of community and public relations for the Better Business Bureau, and I'm very pleased to welcome her back to the show. Hiya, Carla. Hey, Mike. How are you? And hello to your listeners. I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for coming on. And this PlayStation 5 scam, that's kind of a scary one. Imagine you think, okay, I'm just going to go meet some people and do a deal in the parking lot, and you end up getting swarmed and attacked and bear sprayed all over a video game console. That's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, are you hearing more about that kind of stuff? Well, you know, everything about it leading up to the point where the bear spray kicks in sounds almost normal. People sell their phones on Craigslist all the time. They make arrangements to meet with the person, the, um, the buyer. They make the exchange. Everything is good. They walk away with one person walks away with money. One person walks away with product. So everything sounds good until you're getting attacked. But as you rightfully mentioned earlier, you know, this pandemic has really created a situation where con artists and scammers are looking for opportunities and finding opportunities to take advantage of people. And so this PS5 situation is just one of many that has been happening and that has been reported to BBB. Yeah, it just occurred to me that this PS5 scam, you got to be so careful on something like this because 600 bucks or something like that for one of these games, that's a lot of money. And people will do desperate things for that kind of cash, you know? So, I mean, in this particular case, you got a guy who shows up, he's going to sell a PS5, he gets attacked, they try to steal the game from him. But it could easily be the other way around. You, you might respond to an ad and say, meet me in a parking lot and I'll sell you, I'll sell you a PS5. And you show up, and that could be a scam, too. They might try to attack you and take your money. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, when it comes to buying items online, whether it's Craigslist or some other um, platform, you need to put your safety as the number one priority when you're doing these exchanges. So you want to meet in a safe, secure public spot. You want to also go with somebody else. Someone needs to know where you are. Someone needs to be there with you. Because just like that, what happened with that guy with the PS5, 
he was all alone fighting what five six guys yeah and i saw that video and it was incredible how he was able to still hold on to his his the ps5 at the end of it all while getting yeah. bear sprayed you really don't <laughs> want to put yourself in that kind of situation no, that guy was definitely not going to give up his PS5, even after he got bear sprayed. That's pretty amazing. Are there any other, uh, Carla, any kind of other kind of Christmas shopping sort of scams that are out there that people should be aware of? Yes. Um, one, when, when it comes to Christmas shopping right now, we are, we are seeing where there is a, a, a growing interest for um, Star Wars, the child, the animatronic edition toy, or as people might more commonly know it as Baby Yoda. But this Baby Yoda is the, the version that is moving, it talks, it makes sound, it's battery operated, and it is quite popular right now. Scammers are creating fake ads online on social media, getting you to feel like you are going to be getting an, um, an opportunity to purchase this toy at a reduced price. And what you're getting is a stuffed puppet when it comes to you, and you can't reach that person afterwards to get your money back. So that's oh, definitely no. one of the things that's also on our radar, as well as realistic toy dogs. And the same thing is happening to people. They think they're getting a puppy that, um, a, a toy puppy that barks, that wags its tail, that blinks its eyes, and that you can give to a, a young child. But at the end of the day, you're getting just a stuffed, a stuffed teddy bear version or just something that is far from what you were hoping for when you placed that order. Oh, how disappointing to get that in the mail. How do you uh, protect yourself from something like that? Maybe just order from a reputable website? Yes, that is the starting point, um, do, knowing that you're trusted, um, that whoever you're shopping with is trustworthy, but at the same time, even being able to identify the fraud in the first place before you spend money is absolutely critical. So we know, for instance, with these kinds of scams, that social media is a huge way that the scammers are using to draw your attention. So, for instance, you're going to see you're scrolling through your feed. That same item you've been searching for online for the past two weeks just starts popping up every single place you go online. And in some instances, you're going to see it for a reduced price. Black Friday is coming up. Cyber Monday is on the way. And so you're going to be seeing flash sales, special right. deals. And you think you are getting a huge discount opportunity. And that is exactly what they're using to lure in consumers. All right, it's a great point. Yeah, Black Friday coming up this Friday. My guest is Carla Laird from the Better Business Bureau of BC. They do a great job of warning people about these type of scams and ripoffs. Speaking of, uh, you were speaking about a, a, a toy, a toy puppy, a toy dog. I know that there are there are real puppy scams out there, right? Like a lot of people are buying more people are buying pets. It seems during the pandemic, and people might think they're what they're going to get a cute little puppy that they're buying. And what, tell me about that scam. Well, this one I think is probably one of the lowest of the lows that scammers can go in the sense that you're targeting pets and people who are trying to make themselves a little more, um, I suppose, po have a positive experience in a very grim, grim and gloomy time. And one of the best ways to do that, especially if you're working from home or unemployed or you have that extra time, is to bring a, new, a puppy into your home and you have that time now to be at home to train the puppy. So we have right. seen a huge increase in um, the demand for pets right now, and scammers are taking advantage of it. We're seeing fake websites popping up overnight with beautiful, attractive, you know, heartwarming photos of puppies and they, that they've stolen from other legitimate websites or just from random posts that other pet owners have posted on their own social media profiles. And they create a, 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 a scenario where you feel you're getting this puppy that you have to pay for a special... Um, temperaturized crate you have to pay for shipping 
You have yeah. to pay for a COVID-19 vaccine for your puppy. And all of these different charges are racking up. One consumer has lost over $8,000 trying to get a puppy that did not exist. All right, welcome back to the show. My guest is Carla Laird. She's with the Better Business Bureau in British Columbia, and we're talking about COVID-19 scams and ripoffs. Have you been targeted by scammers? Phone me and tell me your story. 604-280-9898 is the number. 604-280-9898. The number on your cell is star 9898. Let's go to Andrew in Maple Ridge. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Mike. I just got in the car and started to hear the beginning or the segment just before uh, the break. But anyway, my situation was I was part of the CRA data breach and received a letter in late September. And the CRA, I mean, to try to get through to them, to try to get any information, to try to find out, you know, they just give me generic advice about, uh, you know, protecting your identity. But this scam, somebody in Quebec was taking CERB in my name and they haven't told any of us. There's 48,500 people the, the CRA hasn't told any of us exactly what of ours is out there in terms of information. And I don't know. I'm paranoid to answer the phone anymore. Huh. Okay, Carlo, have you heard anything about this one? Yeah, actually. Um, that was uh, the data breach back that they announced in September um, to say that because of some, uh, I suppose, cyber attack that would, took place, a, a, a decent amount of persons got their information compromised. We haven't gotten the full details of what exactly was compromised, as he rightfully said. And so I completely understand why there would be some heightened uncertainty as to what needs to be changed, what, need, what has been exposed. What yeah. they did share was the fact that the, it was possible that the data breach occurred because whoever was compromised, that password that they used for the CRA website was being used on multiple sites. So that's what they shared. I'm not sure if that's the same case for for our caller, but that's one of the things that they pointed out. That okay. could have been the reason for that breach. Probably everybody has received one of these fake CRA calls, you know, like a, a text or a phone message or a voicemail or an email saying that uh, we've, we've caught you cheating on your taxes or something. You better call us or we're going to come arrest you. Uh, what should people know about that? Basically, CRA would never do that, right? No, see, the CRA would never call you to tell you that you're cheating. And as a matter of fact, if there is something wrong with your tax file, the first and usually most consistent way that they're going to be reaching out to you is by mail. So that's the first and most consistent way that they will reach out to you. Calling you is almost a last resort when they've exhausted every other opportunity to get through to you. So that's the first thing to be aware of. And there are no threatening phone calls. No one is going to be sending the police to arrest you. All the usual things that they try to say to you. Those are things that we we hope everyone should be aware of by now because of the fact that, yeah, that's just not how the CRA operates. Let's go to Jimmy in Surrey on the open line. Hi, Jimmy. Hi. Hi. Yes. Uh, We respond to an ad on Kijiji. It's for two-year-old Shapay. And the owner said that we could not view the dogs because of COVID. And then the owner told us to uh, transfer her $2,500, and they will drop all the dog in one of the plaza, and we feel for it. Um, But at the end, we found out the dog is blind and uh, could not have a difficult breathing and an ear infection, skin infection, and have digestion problem. So, yeah. So, but you know what? We we kept the dog, and then the dog had a two eye surgery and one nose surgery, 
and we spent ten thousand dollars. Now she, now she's a happy dog. So we we are glad we did that. But but just like you know, it's just not a happy experience. Yeah. Oh dear, Jimmy. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you for calling and sharing wow. that. And uh, you sound like a very kind person to help that dog. That's a lot of money to, to yes, spend to spend on a dog. But would would that be Carla? Would that be a warning sign? Like if someone is trying to sell you a pet or a puppy or whatever, and they say you can't see the dog, send us money first. Is that a, is that a red flag? Yes, it is. It, if if we look at all the reports that have been coming in, especially since the, since the COVID in March of this year onward that's literally one of the standard things most of the reports had to say that we you couldn't see the dog in person because of covid and so as a result you're going to just have to trust us that what we're sharing with you is uh, is legitimate you have to yeah. send us money and sometimes the payment methods too that they're recommending are a huge red flag so wire transfers e-transfers but what i can um, recommend to persons looking for puppies out there ask for a video conference ask for a facetime there must be a way for you to see what you're going to get and make sure that this is exactly what you're signing up for. So in her case, she ended up getting a dog that was far from what she was expecting. Um, sometimes you end up getting cats. Sometimes you end up getting <laughs> birds. Sometimes you end up getting no dog at all. So you want to make sure you're doing that due diligence. Okay, squeeze in one more call. Jean in North Van. But Jean, you got to go quick, okay? Yeah, sure. Okay, I just wanted to say that, uh, yes, I get... Uh, I mean, I got an email yesterday from a store, drug shoppers, drug mart, except it says shoppers. And the reason I didn't fall for it is because when you look carefully to the email, you can see some mistakes they make. Like in my case, they okay. said you had so many, so many points, and then it was not true. And then okay. also they said valid offer until two died, and yes. John, thank, thank, thank you for calling. We just have 30 seconds left here, Carla. For people who are looking for more information on some of the, the current sort of ripoffs that are out there, you guys do a great job at, at the Better Business Bureau with your website. What's the website address there? So you can find us at bbb.org. Yeah, very simple. Carla, thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me.